0: People of Note on Fine Music Radio is proudly brought to you each week at this time by Peter Turin Productions. This is Fine Music Radio and Rodney Trudgeon welcoming you to this week's edition of People of Note. Now, you may have heard that on the 4th of February, the show The Producers opens here at Artscape. It's a musical adapted by Mel Brooks and Thomas Meehan from Mel Brooks' 1967 film of the same name, which you may remember, with lyrics written by Brooks and music composed by Brooks and arranged by Glenn Kelly and Doug Bessman, And as in the film, the story apparently concerns two theatrical producers – who scheme to get rich by overselling interest in a Broadway flop, and complications arise when the show unexpectedly turns out to be very successful. It's had a fantastic run on Broadway in the West End all over the show, and playing the role of Roger Debris in the film is Terence Bridget, and I've invited him into the studio to talk not only about the producers and this role, but about his life, because I think you know Terence very well from a number of soap opera on television, <laughs> and Terence, I'm going to introduce you I was yes. saying I was rather surprised to see that you called a soap slut, yes. because you do so
1: many, but welcome. Thank you so much. It's a delight to be here. It's a delight to be home, and I'm very
0: privileged to be chatting to you today. There you are, that's a good start, so you can stay, <laughs> Terence. I just am one of those people who has not seen The Producers, mm-hmm. either the original Mel Brooks film or the much more modern uh, musical. So just fill us in a little bit for some The Producers novice. The,
1: uh, the Producers, uh, you, you, you gave a strong background there to the original Zero Mistel movie, and then many years later it was translated for the Broadway stage um, to huge critical acclaim, multiple tourney awards and and a box office that really couldn't keep up with the demand um it ran for a very very long time and uh nathan lane matthew broderick played uh the two leads um, which are played by the indefatigable ellen committee and richard white in our production uh, max bialystok and leo bloom now they are two producers that set out to they realize one's a failing broadway producer max bialystok and the other one is an accountant who wishes to be a producer. So they realize that they can make more money with a flop than a hit. And the way they do it is to find the worst script possible. So they discover a character played by Schumann Smith um, called Franz Liebkind. And he's written a musical called Springtime for Hitler. And it is so deeply... <laughs> Utterly inappropriate that they're convinced it'll offend everyone at the close on page four, um, let alone on the first night. And they find the worst director in town in 1959 in New York, which is Roger Debris, which is me. <laughs> so, I, without giving away too many spoilers, um, that's how it starts. And then you encounter some deeply eccentric characters, and I can't give too many spoilers away, but um, let's say things don't go entirely as planned. Why would
0: they want the show to flop? Because
1: of Leo's accounting skills. He realizes that if you get the backing for a show and it opens and closes, you have the money, but you don't have to run the production. (laughs) So that's (laughs) the, the basis of their
0: scheme okay and um just tell me a little bit more about your role roger debris oh
1: roger debris um roger debris is um he's the sort of very flamboyant um very successful but i think a bit of a has been um deeply pretentious he does those sort of large showgirl fluff moments with the feather harnesses and um You know, the slow Mm -hmm. sidewalks, he's he's that sort of director. (laughs) And he's not camp at all, no. No. I would never be cast in a camp role. No, you wouldn't. No, no, no. Uh, (laughs) But uh, so that's Roger. Roger is a complete bucket list role for me. I saw the show in 2004 on the West End.
0: Oh, so you've actually seen it
1: on stage? Yes, I have seen it on stage. And I saw one of my theatre heroes, the late, great uh, Gary Beach. Uh, who premiered uh, the Broadway production, and he was in the most recent movie version, um, starring most of the original Broadway cast uh, with Uma Thurman and Will Ferrell. And Gary Beach was the original and iconic Roger Debris, and I left the theatre thinking, I have to play this role and 15 years
0: later. Here we are. Oh gosh, you must be thrilled. I am thrilled. Is it a lovely role to play? Because you you made a joke about it being a cameo role before we started uh, the program.
1: Yes, I'd say it's a a loud supporting role. A loud supporting supporting role. (laughs) Uh, He does um, have two fantastic numbers. There's a lot of tap in this show, so the cast is a very eclectic, fantastically triple-threaded bunch of people from different training grounds, from different backgrounds, from different disciplines, but um, an incredibly cohesive team. And Dwayne Alexander is our choreographer, and he is a tap maestro, and he's outdone himself. Um really? and there's some really? spectacular tap sequences, mm-hmm. and one of them happens in my big number, but I can't tell you why
0: it's my big number. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no spoilers allowed no. in this program. Not yet. But it sounds as though you're really enjoying the role. Do you have to tap dance? I don't
1: have to tap dance. I do have to dance, which I can. I, um, I, oh, I wish your audience could see my, my hand. Um, I'm. My fingers are descending. I'm an actor that can sing and dance in decreasing order of proficiency as okay. we go down the list. <laughs> okay. um, so I am by no means a triple threat and I'm under no illusion. But there's always a role for that kind of person.
0: Right, now, Terrence, one of the rules of this program is that the guests have to choose their own music. And we get sometimes quite a strange selection, I have to say, and sometimes we break our rules here. Yeah? Mm-hmm. But it looks like you've chosen something quite interesting. So tell me about your first track and why you've chosen it. My first
1: track is Bach's Cantata number no. 68 for soprano and cello. It is a solo that I did. I'm a draki, an old boy. And the strange thing about having been in the Draconsburg Boys Choir, I still don't sing in the old boys choir, um, which I'll talk to you about in a moment. But this was a solo that I sang with the choir overseas uh, when I was a soprano.
0: Okay, here we go. Thank <laughs> you. of Bach there and that was a boy soprano turns the name his
1: name is Elias Medler um, there are various versions of this particular cantata some of them done by female sopranos but um, I like this particular recording because of yeah. the boy soprano and I was a boy soprano I did it with a choir in Italy who was Better Wise oh as yes Wise well Wise's baton she was quite a formidable choir mistress in in my day after I was a Jockersburg boys choir boy when I came to Cape Town and was at Saks
0: Now, I just want to say that my guest on People of Note this week is Terence Bridget who's playing the role of Roger Debris in Peter Turin's production of The Producers, which opens on the 4th of February, and you've spoken about the Drakensberg Boys' Choir, mm-hmm. um, and the fact that you ended up there means that there must have been a music love, a love of music in you and your family, or how come you ended up at the Drakensberg Boys' Choir?
1: I think we went to a concert in Fishhook, where I grew up, and they performed, and they always uh, offer the opportunity for any young boy to audition after concerts and i was insistent i was nine (laughs) and i was absolutely adamant and my mother was horrified but thought of me going away to a specialist school in the mountains far away and she didn't like the idea at all and i got in and come hell high water or a herd of lesbian i was going to go (laughs) <laughs> I was determined. And I i must say, it's its an enormous privilege to have been a Draki. We were called the little ambassadors for many, many years, mm. and um, it's an enormous part of my discipline. I learned my technique at UCT Drama School, but I think my work ethic and my discipline comes from being a Draki.
0: It really does seem to me, I know one or two old boy Drakis, and it really does seem to be a special club almost. Yes. And it really was a disciplined outfit, wasn't it? Yes. In the nicest sense of the word, not in a, not in a sort of masochistic sense. No, no, like no.
1: Look, I mean, look, in the days of when I, I was born in 75, so I, I came with television. Um, and in those days they were still allowed to cane us. Uh, nowadays they're not. Uh, But the choir is just as disciplined and the boys are just as incredible. I'm part of the Old Boys Association. I'm on the committee and uh, we regularly go back to the Berg to sing with the choir. We performed in the World Choir Games last year and uh, we won our category and we are currently the top male chamber choir in the world. So we're going to Flanders this year to defend our title at the World Choir Games in Belgium.
0: This is the Old Boys Drakensberg Choir yes, the Old about, Boys Choir. As opposed to the main
1: Drakensberg Choir. Oh, no, yeah, the, the, the main Drakies um, also performed uh, in the World Choir Games last year. They were in Pretoria and um, they'll also be going to Flanders next year.
0: What's interesting about the Drakensberg Boys Choir is it's always been, as far as I know, open and welcome to all sorts of people from all sorts of cultures. Oh, yes. And there have been people who have gone... Really far, haven't they? Even overseas. I'm thinking of there's a, is a Jacques Broglio, mm. who's an, an opera yes. singer now in Nick Nicolaides. Um,
1: um, Philip Pacek. Uh, there are so, uh, there are so many old boys that have been enormously successful. All three Bala brothers, Zoy Bala, Luis and Pelo Bala, all, uh, Drakis. I, it has been discovered because we had our, the 50, year anniversary two years ago and so there's a lot of research being done for the commemorative book and it was found in the minutes of a meeting that I was officially the first person of color to be accepted into the choir which
0: is (laughs) quite an interesting fact. That's quite a sort of claim to fame these days. (laughs) (laughs) So obviously music was going to be your career. The Drakensberg as you said got your love of music and discipline then you went to UCT. Mm. And well, no,
1: Saxe, where? Well. yes. I, I, I did go to Sachs, where I must say I, it was an incredible school. It uh, had the infrastructure and the kind of teachers who were born educators and not teachers by circumstance. So they really knew how to mold a young mind. And I'm very blessed to have had people like Greg Brown and Sandy Clapton in my life. Otherwise, I wouldn't be the man I am today. And. Sachs also had the infrastructure to, and this is a quote from Jonathan Fulb, one of our head boys, no matter what your your metier or your strength or your forte was, um, they had the infrastructure to back you so that you could find your feet and flourish, which is so essential in a young developing adult. Mm -hmm. I've been teaching lately um, in secondary school and lecturing students, and um, I find it very important. That secondary school phase is such an important part of moulding a young adult, so I think Sachs was a fantastic school. I would definitely send my son there, and then UCT Drama School, which, and we're terrible snobs, we think we have the best training in the country, we are shameless about it, and I still believe it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> May as well be honest.
1: <laughs> And you can ask any other UCT actor that comes in here, they'll probably say
0: the same thing. Right. Perhaps not quite as arrogantly. No, you'd said it beautifully. (laughs) Um, Terence, tell me about your next piece of music. My next piece of music is
1: from the days of UCT, actually. This is something Alan Committee and I used to do contemporary dance when we were studying At UCT, we are the class of 95, graduating class of 95. Jazz art was a very important part of Cape Town's um, dance reality, and uh, so it's all about giving away to gravity and finding pathways through the body. And so contemporary dance has a certain musical attack, and this particular piece, I can tell you, when Alan and I were studying, there were countless exam pieces done to the Big Blue soundtrack.
0: Music from that film, *The Big Blue*, is that right, Terence? What what was that that we just? <laughs> That's heard? right.
1: That was *The Big Blue*, and of course it has fantastic real marine mammal sounds in the beginning. That goes into such beautiful, beautiful sequences that I I still adore it to this day. It was a, a great movie as well, starring a real uh, free diver. Um, his name was Jean-Marc Barr, if I remember correctly. He was a devastatingly beautiful man and had the whole world up in arms and I don't think he said very much in the movie but he he, he looked very good
0: uh, <laughs> I remember it very clearly and um, it was an extremely gripping film in many mm. ways. That it was very, very touching
1: yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. and it's almost, it was like a painting mm. Um, I, I loved it. So, yes, many a dance sequence was done to the Big Blue Overture. At that time as well, I remember the trilogy, Three Colors Red, Three Colors White, and Three Colors Blue. The French films that launched Juliette Binoche's career um, came out, and there were many soundtracks and many dance pieces
0: that you <laughs> done to Three Colors Blue. I want to ask you, well, first of all, let me just remind you at home that we're listening to Terence Bridget. He's my guest on People of Note this week, and he's playing the role of Roger Debris in the play that produces the musical, which is going to open at Artscape on the 4th of February a Peter Tureen production and Peter Tureen sponsors our program How it's not that? at Artscape sir um, is it not at it's Artscape it's
1: at the Theatre on the Bay
0: oh it's at the Theatre on the Bay yes there, well, I do take note of that the Theatre on the Bay one of the most beautiful settings I think we can say oh absolutely and I time. I am
1: staying I mean, because I, I am as much as I am a born and bred and proud Townian. I alas have to live and work in Johannesburg for work um my niche has ended up being television and television happens in Joburg if I could have that career back home in Cape Town I would move home tomorrow
0: Jesus. But, uh, <laughs>
1: I would leave everything behind, the piano, everything would stay and I'd start again um, if you could promise me I'd have as much work as I have in Josie but um, unfortunately I have to, I'm a, I'm a guest in Cape Town so I'm staying in the very beautiful actor's house that's very near the theatre in Camps Bay with a spectacular view and a balcony and um, my own jacuzzi—it's all quite ridiculous, really. <laughs> Very good.
0: <laughs> Why not, I <I'd> say? <laughs> but Terence, you were talking. I wanted to get back just for the moment before I start talking about your television career. Um, about your association with Alan Committee—you've oh, mentioned yes. him a few times—and you studied with him, saying that yes. your class of that year, what was it, seventy-five? 75? Oh, your pardon.
1: Class of 75, honestly. <laughs> I was born in 75. We were the class of 95. 95. Um, it was quite a strong year. The, the incredible Robin Scott uh, It was in our year. Alan and myself. Um, it was the first time that UCT's music department, opera department, drama department, and ballet department. Had gotten together to mount a production in our final year, which was uh, Die Lichtige Vita, Franz um, Lehrer's The Merry Widow. Mm. Mm. And uh, Robin, Allen and myself were the three people from drama school playing the, the acting cameos. And I got to Niegus for um, Maestro Angelo Gobato, and that was a scream. Alan has actually done Niegus as well for Janice Honeyman in her african her her Pontevedro was a lot more African <laughs> than than Peter Caslet's. Really? Uh, <laughs> <Okay. laughs> nevertheless, that was another thing that Alan and I have shared. It's a strange thing. We have collaborated on theatre with before. I've lit productions for him, I've dressed sets for him. he's consulted on material that I've produced and directed so it feels like we've made theatre together but we've never in the 25 years that we've been professional acted together so this is our first time on Uh, the board.
0: What role is he, you said at the beginning, what role is he playing in the producers? Alan is playing
1: the the, the lead uh, Max Bialystok it's the Nathan Lane role for those of you who saw the movie the most recent movie.
0: Okay and apart from your working with Alan Committee Mm -hmm. and not having ever been on stage with him he, as we know, is a master of his art, oh, his yes. whole business of comedian. Uh, he
1: redefines funny bones.
0: Well, there you go. And I mean, would you describe yourself as a comedian as well? Or you said you're not a triple threat, but no, I mean, no. a lot of the roles that you play have a humorous side to it.
1: I know, and I think that is definitely circumstance, not choice. I honestly consider myself to be a better dramatic actor. Believe it or not, most of my roles are quite butch. Um, (laughs) Wife Beater's drug dealers oh, you know my father sent me to private schools um and then he has to watch me just to do the most terrible things on television <laughs> uh but so i consider myself to be a, a dramatic actor i spend a lot of time doing drama uh, with soap opera i don't find myself particularly funny so i would not consider myself a comedian actor i have been tasked with playing a lot of comic roles. You see, the capacity... comedy is such a specific craft, and the capacity to get it wrong is so much larger Mm -hmm. than with drama. Drama, you just need access to the
0: truth. Comedy, you need a combination of truth and technique. But Terrence, you've even been on stage at Maynardville. I remember seeing you in... was it Cardinio? uh, Yes, uh, we did
1: a double bill five years ago. That, in fact, was the last time I was on stage was back home in Cape Town so it feels like I come home to the theatre which is quite lovely yeah, I'm sure. and uh, it was a double bill of Roy Sargent's Cardenio uh, which was the supposedly discovered Shakespeare, yes, yes, uh, to be honest I, I uh, it felt a little taped together to be an actual Shakespeare, uh, but um, it was a fantastic production, was lovely, beautiful Dickie Longhurst costumes. Um, Dickie's dressed me since I was 20 and he really made the most extraordinary costumes mm-hmm. and he used to give me, he knew I could handle fabrics, so I would have swathes of 16th century Trains and things I <laughs> absolutely loved it, and um Fred Albenstein and Marcel Mayer's fantastic hit um, midsummer Night's Dream right, right. which I played the dream role of bottom in which mm-hmm. is yes it is the comedic lead, and it's an amazing contract it's you know you do the beach by day and you do Shakespeare under the stars at night <laughs> the gift in 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 I must say specifically with Midsummer Night's Dream, because uh, Fred Albums had set it on a contemporary, undisclosed African game farm, as that it was so accessible to the to the kids. So playing Shakespeare for kids is not always easy because it's set work and it's a mission. But it was so accessible for them that 900 children were wrapped with attention and screaming with laughter and leaping to their feet at the end. So it was a gift for us and our gift to them, to show them that, uh, yes, that's why we still do Shakespeare.
0: Good. Excellent. Perfect thing to say. Terence, what's your next piece of music?
1: My next piece of music is,
0: oh, this takes
1: me back to jazz art again. And jazz art was groundbreaking um, in terms of stylistic and choreographic choices and the things they would do. And for the first time, I've always loved uh, Ravel's Bolero. And I went to a piece by Jazz Art, and it was a gumboot dancing piece done to Ravel's Bolero, which I found completely mind-blowing, because it has that driving Spanish rhythm and it's it's a habanero, which it's there's a sort of a one two three one two three one two one two one two three one to so it's got that um drive to it, and I've directed a uh, production of A midsummer Nights Dream, and um it was very sort of Maya Holt with everyone underscoring everyone else on drums and things while they were performing, and uh, I used
0: this rhythm a lot so we can't take the whole piece because it's about 16 minutes long Mm. so shall we pick it up uh, towards the end yes there's a lovely
1: andrea recording that's a little
0: more succinct okay let's try that one That's André Roux and his orchestra, and André Roux's version of part of Bolero by Ravel. Another choice of my guest here on People of No, Terence Bridget, who's in the show The Producers, which opens at the Theatre on the Bay on the 4th, on the the 4th, 4th of 4th February. Of Feb. absolutely. Terence, we've been joking and talking about uh, things, and you are well known as a soap star. A lot of people might know your Chico Boysons uh, on SABC's Essie is television something you'd like? Tell me a bit about your television career. Yes, I, I went
1: up to Johannesburg with Twelfth Night, actually, Claire Stockford's Twelfth Night, many, many years ago, to play at the Market Theatre, and I thought I was coming straight home after the production, but by the end of the show, I'd been cast in my first series. I mean, I didn't know one end of a camera from the lens, uh, but at that stage, I was very young and naive. But just once, that Pulsi venture production um, had been no He wrote the big ones like Aranda and um, those huge productions that they used to spend gazillions on in the days when the SABC had lots of money. Yes, uh, and I'm about to do another Pulsi venture production when the producers moved to Johannesburg, uh, called Bovok the Heart. But that was my debut. Hot Nots was actually my television debut playing a ballroom dancer with one leg that was nine centimetres shorter than the other. And <laughs> that's that real person, actually. He was my foot double. Um, and he trained me to ballroom dance. So, and then, you see, Dingo had been going for a year and they didn't have a coloured couple. And so they auditioned all over the country and Ilse Klink and I ended up as the first coloured couple on the Dingo. And so it's a very different thing being in a weekly drama and being in people's lounges every evening. Uh, it. it bumps your exposure level up a large degree and people feel quite they start to feel quite attached to you because they're w- watching your journey and Chico to this day, he was my first award um, he was my first point of mainstream exposure and he was so wounded and so twisted I think he's still my favourite character to date of all the television drama I've done and, and yes they, the media has long since dubbed me as South Africa's original soap slut because <laughs> I have done so many of them and continue to hop around and none of my characters have ever died Everyone's gone away and returned I keep going back to Binland I keep going back to Silvanlan I keep it so, so I, I keep hopping
0: but it must be—I mean, it pays the bills, doesn't it? This television stuff, because it, of the, its regularity,
1: it does. It's it's a, it's consistent. Mm. So if I yes, if I if there was something as solid and consistent here back in Cape Town, like I said, I would move. I would I would move home, and I wouldn't call it a compromise in terms of craft. I think I love all three of the media: theatre, television, and film. Um, the toolbox shifts for each of them, but I think the desire to tell the story with truth and integrity remains the same.
0: Because you have done film, haven't you? Tell me about some of the films you've done.
1: Yes, I've done a lot of um, local film, uh, a lot of Afrikaans work. I did a bilingual uh, course at at UCT, and so I was blessed to have James Blankenbach and Sandra Temming train me uh, in Afrikaans. And if I didn't have... uh, Afrikaans is my second language, but it's about... 65-70% 65-70% to 70% of my career so if I didn't have it, I I wouldn't be in this position yeah, yeah. Um, I've done a lot of local film um, a lot of seriously dodgy B-grade international films playing everything from a Mexican astronaut to an Arabic retard and <laughs> I have done one or two things that I am proud of which is to uh, do Disgrace opposite one of my heroes, John Malkovich and most recently playing Twins opposite Samuel L. Jackson in Kite. I've actually played twins three times, once on stage in Love, Valley Compassion, uh, once on Bina Lunt on television, and once on film. So I've done twins across the media.
0: So who do they make play your twin?
1: Myself, just transformed.
0: Oh, okay. Yes. So a bit of trick photography as well. Yes, yeah, and, under, like and a
1: little bit of acting.
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> thrown in for <laughs> good measure. <laughs> and um, it seems as though... Essie Dingo ended, didn't it? Essie Dingo, or has it still on?
1: Essie Dingo has ended, alas, after many, many years of being a huge success and I think groundbreaking in terms of its grittiness when it started. And I mm-hmm. think it ha- it had it was an interesting soap because it was set in the mining community. It had a full cost spectrum of of the socio economic demographic, um, and the racial demographic, and and un- Potentious one it, it was it was a real one and that does mm. exist. You have everything from mine management to a stope worker on a mine in a small community. So and then it shifted when, you know, channel mandates shift and they want to raise the LSM of the viewer, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Et cetera and that's a pity.
0: And then ruin everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, uh, <laughs> but Stephen Delon was also is also a huge success
1: story, isn't is 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 a very popular soap opera. <laughs> I play. An outrageously camp character. I've played him for about 17 years now called Jerome. He is very popular, and um, so they keep bringing him back for cameos. But he's so intense, I can play him for about six weeks at a time because, and then he has to go away again. Um, <laughs> okay. Because I think the audience and I will get exhausted if I have to do him full
0: time. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> Terence another piece of music now and I know we're going to hear something from the show at yes. last from the producers so I want to tell you to tell me a little bit about what we're going to hear then after the music we'll talk a little bit about the music in the show all and right its sort of style and all that so what are you going to play
1: this is a song sung by Leo Bloom and it's about his fantasy to be a producer it's I want to be a producer by Mel Brooks <laughs>
2: I wanna be a producer, lunch at Sardis every day. I wanna be a producer, sport a top hat in the cane. I wanna be a producer, and drive those chorus girls insane. Producer and say you, you, you Not you I wanna be a producer Where a talk's on opening nights I wanna be a producer And see my name, Leo blue. it's everything I'm not.
3: Unhappy.
2: Unhappy. I wanna be a producer. Wait Unhappy. a minute. On everything. for everything! Mr. Bialystok was right. There is a lot more to me than there is to me. Stop the world! I wanna get on! I'm gonna be a producer! He's gonna be Look out, Broadway!
0: Well, they've heard music from the show, the producers. What was that actually, Terence? That was a song, I Want to Be a Producer.
1: It's one of the amazing tap sequences that um, our choreographer, Dwayne Alexander, has done a spectacular number with. And I remember in when I saw it in 2004, just it's the middle of an accounting firm and these showgirls pop out of the filing cabinets and it becomes this <laughs> enormous fantasy sequence in his head. It's completely outrageous. And um, it's almost that old-school MGM glam with huge orchestral arrangements. Mm-hmm. Um, the instrumentation is absolutely fantastic. It, the harmonies are incredibly complex, and they, they have that deeply vintage feel to them, those very, very tight chords and eight- or nine-part harmonies, which are, which were <laughs> a challenge to learn, but they sound so amazing when they're, when they're done beautifully and are... Musical director Garth Tavares has done a spectacular job of putting the show together on a musical level. I'm loving working with him. He's as specific as Dwayne Alexander is, and our West End director, Joe Pitcher, is a gem. Um, <laughs> I know, I think you'll be talking
0: to him. I am, yes. in, a, in a future edition, absolutely.
1: Um, he is an absolute gem, and he works just as specifically, and Dwayne and Joe work together on the fantastic production of Roald Dahl's Matilda that was here so Joe directed Matilda for those of you who were lucky enough to see it so he really is top of his game and absolute delight to work with
0: my guest is Terence Bridget on Fine Music Radio People of Note this week brought to you by Peter Turin Productions and before we end I just want to veer away slightly to your many other interests for example you you run a company don't you called yes. tell me about that I have a theater production
1: company called eight ball productions which has mounted various shows mostly on the festival circuit and um, we've had many successful seasons of um, a certain kind of play in Johannesburg uh, my night with reg love and compassion Um, We did in both, my night was we did in both languages, um, and that was fantastic. And then my television production company was Paul Detoy, the fabulous award-winning, deeply talented actor, infuriatingly handsome Paul Detoy. He is my business partner in Funigalor Films, our television production company, and we've produced a travel show in... Again, in both languages, and it is currently on air in South Africa. It's called Rough or Smooth. It's also on air in Canada, which has purchased it three times, and you can catch it on Inflight <laughs> Entertainment on SAA, apparently. <laughs> um, but uh, it's very successful, and uh, we're very excited because we are in pre production for season two. Of or smooth
0: oh well done but you also pass on your
1: knowledge don't you see that you're a lecturer yes I'm a teacher at the moment uh, which I absolutely adore and I am a lecturer I I teach screen acting and I do a uh, Shakespeare module for the graduate
0: class so Shakespeare is special to you yes I mean you've appeared in lots of and you said how important it is
1: is. I I think it's the biggest flex of your thespian muscle
0: um, That's a lovely phrase. <laughs> is that original? Yes, it is. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> so we're going to have to end now. And oh, I know you've well got to, such I think a lovely chat. Oh, congratulations, by the way. Your book. Oh, thank you, Terence Gosh. Yes. Okay, you can come back now. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Concert notes. Congratulations. It thank came you, out Terence. last week, apparently.
0: But now just finally to say to you that you seem to be very busy, which is a good thing. Mm. I mean, you're teaching, you've got this production company, you're in endless soaps, you're (laughs) on stage, you're doing all sorts of things. So you're one of the lucky ones, aren't you? Because it's a tough business.
1: It is a tough business. And I think, uh, you know, unfortunately, one is only you're constantly in a state of audition. And reputation and you are only as good as your last gig and your last performance and so I say to my students it's not necessarily the most talented people that have a sustainable career it's the most reliable people that have a sustainable career so you must realize you always have the producer's wallet in your hand when
0: you're on the floor that's a good some good advice there as well Terence what's your last piece of music
1: my last piece of music is a bit of fun it's a fantastic group they were nine contestants on American Idol none of them won but they all happened to be there were three of them were vocalists and six of them happened to play instruments so they got together and formed a group called Postmodern Jukebox and they revisit contemporary songs with a classic vintage old school twist which I love this one is about and the strange thing is once it's slowed down you can actually hear the lyrics this is a megan Traynor song believe it or not um, all about the bass and i've never really heard the lyrics and it's actually about taking pride in your body as a woman and just owning it and selling it and for the first time when it's done the sexually and the slowly, you can actually listen to the words.
0: <laughs> I shall listen with my ears pricked up. <laughs> Terence has been wonderful chatting to you. Terence Bridget is in the show, the producers, which opens at the Theatre on the Bay on the fourth of February. And all strength to your aunt Terence, and come and see us again sometime. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a delight.
4: Because you know I'm all about debbies, about debbies, and no trouble. I'm all about debbies, about debbies, and no trouble. I'm all about
3: that piece, about that in no real
4: trouble, I'm all about that piece, about that piece Yeah, it's pretty clear I ain't no size But I can shake and shake it like I'm supposed to Cause I got that boom boom That all the boys are chasing All the right junk in all the right places I see those magazines You was perfect from the battle to the die My mama, she told me, don't worry about your side
0: People of Note on Fine Music Radio was proudly brought to you by Peter Turing Productions.
3: Something magical is coming your way this festive season. Captain Hook's dropping anchor, and Tinkerbell is flying in specially. The Lost Boys will be found, and Wendy's in the house. Be awestruck by the most dazzling skating ever seen as Peter Turin presents the world-famous Imperial Ice Stars in this spectacular and new show, Peter Pan on Ice. Experience this much-loved family classic at the Artscape Opera House from January 15th to February 2nd, 2020. Book now. FMR